Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 449. My name is Eric Nilsson, and I have with me my co-host, John White. Today's Wednesday, September 12, 2018. John, how's it going? Going really well. Uh, across a Dumbarton Bridge today for all the Dumbarton heads out there, the Dumbartlets, the Dumbartinos. I, I don't remember exactly what it is we're supposed to call ourselves. Uh, but, of course, as we... Uh, get into the warm weather the the color of the bay a little bit uh muddy but at dumbarton it's all about the swamp gas that's the only thing you can really pay attention to i did i went over to the esports uh league of legend national in tournament in oakland oh uh, wow and we got the fun of driving across the dumbarton with the with the with the seaweed blowing up on the north side yep. heading heading south all packed up there gives it an interesting aroma Yes, uh, interesting. That is one word for it, interesting. Very interesting. Offensive would be another. Yes, and I had my two kids in the car with me, right? And, uh, and they're like, all right, who, who, who did that? Right? And I'm like, it's, it's, it's the ocean. The ocean did that. It's so, the ocean. Uh, on the show today, we have Site Recovery Manager with uh, GS Colossa. Colossa, I guess would how we'd say that. Alpha. And we're Alpha. going to... Colossa, yeah. okay. K is silent. So on the show, uh, Site Recovery Manager, there was a lot of activity at VMworld around Site Recovery Manager. Also, uh, AWS, they host a service on, on that on AWS as well. So there's just a lot of momentum going around there. And we thought we would have GS on to talk about that and talk about the number of sessions he did at VMworld this year and I think is going to continue doing in Europe too. So a lot of activity around, uh, around what GS has been presenting, really cool subjects. So we'll, we'll dive into that. But before we dive into that, maybe we should just do a, a quick uh, summary of what's going on. Uh, the, the big thing, obviously, is VMworld Europe. Reg uh, is still open. Should be a great show. So seven weeks and counting. Seven weeks and counting. Uh, we are working on the booth for uh, VMworld Europe. It's going to have power sessions for code. It's going to have the brown bag uh, again, as always. The blogger tables. We're going to try to make uh, a few more blogger tables so we don't have quite the tight squeeze in the community booth. This and you said you're, you're lowering the height of the tables, is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah I thought we should all just sit Japanese style. With, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. knees folded. I think that would work well for me. <laughs> right, uh, okay, we can send the chiropractic some business. But yeah, we're going we're gonna to see if we can fix up the tables. They were a little bit small and a little bit low at VMworld US. Um, but also going to continue doing the same kind of thing, some maker shops uh, with Raspberry Pis and so forth. So should be a, a very fun Europe at the same time. All the sessions are supposed to be there. I hear there's going to be a few new announcements happening. Oh, yeah. Out. So because of the, t- the difference, they're gonna, there's going to be some, some extra stuff there. There's going to be some new procs that I suspect that are going to be announced. So should be a, should be an interesting time to go there. Um, there is actually a VMware announcement, a product announcement. The, the latest version of Horizon 7 went live, uh, GA. So if you're in that space and you want to play with the bits, it's a, they're available there for download and deployment. So check that out. All right. Well, great. We got a kind of a late start today because we're still building back up the studio uh, from VMworld. We shipped it all to VMworld US, and the, all the gear came back, I think, on uh, uh, Monday. And so we've kind of built up the studio again, but we got a late start trying to get everything working with the audio and such. But uh, So we'll just jump right into uh, uh, Site Recovery Manager uh, with uh, GS and, and then spend some time talking about that. So GS, this is not your first time on the show, but why don't you tell everybody that's listening, who are you, what do you do, how long have you been at VMware, and uh, we'll go from there.
No audio from GS. Sorry about that. Of course. Oh, there you go. No, no myself worries. On mute. Yep, yeah. Yep. That's good. Yeah. So my uh, name. Welcome, welcome uh, to yeah, the show. My name. Yes. Well, let's let's give an intro and <laughs> yeah, we'll go from there. Okay. Will do. Yeah. So my name is GS Kalsa. Uh, I work in technical marketing in the storage and availability business unit. Uh, I've been with VMware uh, five years. Next month. Um, yeah, and I cover all things availability. So site recovery manager, vSphere application. Uh, VMware Site Recovery, which is the uh, DR as a service solution part of uh, VMware Cloud on AWS, uh, and some cool new stuff that I can't talk about about just yet, but some point in the future. So, so you had a you had a very busy VM world, right? You've uh, you were you were there. I just took a look at uh, Content Calendar, Calendar and VM World, and I think I counted uh, five sessions you were doing on various uh, strategies and you know angles into how to use Site Recovery Manager. Was it five, or did I just miscount here? Uh, yeah, I think I had four sessions and then a group discussion, so or a few group discussions. But yeah, I don't know how it, it classifies though. So, so how was your VM World? Uh, it was good. Uh, nice and busy. Lots of lots of good conversations with customers. Lots of interactions and input on uh, SRM. So, yeah, always a always a fun time. Right. GS, am I correct in saying there seems to be a reinvigoration in the SRM product uh, with the VMware Cloud and AWS? It, it seemed like it was. I don't know. Stagnating is not the right word. There are always advances, but uh, no big splashes. But now it seems... Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, since since we introduced VMware Cloud on AWS last year, um, and we introduced the DR as a service product uh, at the end of last year, so just, I think, three months after the introduction of VMware Cloud on AWS, um, yeah, there's there's definitely been a lot more activity around... Uh, SRM since then, um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a fun time to be a part of uh, of SRM and of a larger product. It's yeah, I think that uh, lots of cool stuff to talk about and interact with. So why don't we talk a little bit about the releases that uh, that are currently out? So we did 8.1 sometime last year, April, I think, or I don't know when that G8, but I know there was a great blog article back in April of uh, of this year around 8.1. So where are we on the release schedule right now? We're, are we 8.1 and do we announce the, the next release? Why don't you take us through that a little bit first? Yeah, so the current release is 8.1, uh, and that was that was a really cool release. Um, had a bunch of different things that we can get into if you want. You know, there is that blog post out there if people want to read it. Um, and that's the most current release. Uh, you know, obviously, we're always working on the the next release. Uh, we did have a session at VMworld where uh, product management talked uh, some about the some of the roadmap items that we're potentially working on. You know, the, all those standard disclaimers about um, about futures. You know, there are things we're working on. No guarantees if we're actually going to deliver them. All you know, yada yada yada. All that. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, you know talked a, a little bit about some of those new things, and then one thing that I've I've actually never seen before was right before VMworld, um, we 
did a blog post talking about, uh, again, talking about features that we're developing for SRM, which I've I've never seen VMware talk about a feature that it hasn't released yet. Um, and obviously, you know, standard disclaimers apply, but it's it's something that people have been asking for a long time, and that's SRM integration with uh, array-based replication for virtual volumes for VVOLs. And uh, we had a blog post out there just saying that, hey, we've heard lots of customers really want this, and you know, again, no guarantees when or if we're actually going to do it, but it's it's definitely something that we're working on. So right. that was kind of exciting as well. When I was doing some research for this for today's show, that's that's what I noticed. I noticed some advanced features, and I don't want to mention a number, but I did read like somebody mentioned at 8.2, you know, out there, and so it wasn't necessarily out there, but somewhere I saw an 8.2. I don't know where it was that I was reading, but uh, and maybe some of that was in in when they were talking about future releases coming up. But uh, so we're at 8.1, and it seems like there was this, you know, to. To John's point, there was a there was a shift when 8.1 came out because one you had the HTML5 GUI, right? And then with the yep. HTML5 GUI uh, and and plugging into vSphere, you kind of get you know uh, integration. So the integration se- story seems to be uh, getting stronger and stronger. Whether it be with AWS or vSAN or vRealize Automation, NSX, uh, Oper, vRealize Operations, and Orchestrator. Um, even Horizon. So it seems like this year has been the year. I feel like Site Recovery Manager has really yeah, moved the bar on 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 managing the whole STDC, you know, and 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 doing re- site recovery for everything you've got in, implemented in your data center. Is that a correct assessment, or how do you feel like since the release of 8.1, this has come together? Is that what you think has uh, started uh, enabling you know momentum? Yeah, I mean the. Really, the the biggest thing in 8.1 was that the HTML5 interface. You know, that's the most visible thing. But really, the to me, the biggest feature of 8.1 was that we now support SRM working with multiple versions of vCenter. So, Ooh, right, I uh, saw that. Saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. So we support going all the way back to uh, vCenter 6.0 U3 uh, or 6.5. Uh, or 6.5 U1 or 6.7. So any of those versions uh, now work with SRM, and SRM works with can work with different versions of vCenter at the two different sites. So we basically just completely disc- decoupled it from a specific version of vCenter, and that flexibility and risk reduction that it gives to customers is, I think, is the best part of of that release. And just to be clear, I saw a question in the chat um, that SRM uh, interface is is full H5, so there's no there's nothing. There actually is no other way of interacting with SRM other than the H5 interface, and it was a full port of everything that you could do previously, as well as a few new enhanced workflows. So, so we finally got a new GUI introduction, correct? Right, where all the features from yeah previous are actually exposed in a new. What a concept! I love that. Right, so yeah. yeah. So. Us for there. That's uh, six months uh, ahead of uh, vCenter for feature completeness, right? Right. So, um, no, I think they're talk. there now as well. But yeah. well, it was announced. Announced. So I, so I have some agenda <laughs> items. 
have some agenda items for the podcast just to let our audience know where I'm thinking. We'll talk a little bit about customers. Maybe we'll talk a little about the market. Then we'll get into kind of new features. What was an 8.1? What are some good good ones that are in the blog? And we'll talk about where that blog article is so that we can cover that. But um, first, I, I, I got to say, customers, are you are we starting? Is this when you're working with customers, is it large enterprises? It seems like this, you know, if you're doing, you know, DR and you have multi-sites, you're going to be a big customer to begin with. I'm just wondering, what do you experience from a customer perspective? Are you seeing a shift in customers or is it pretty much the high-end enterprise customers that are, are looking to build this type of architecture? Uh, I mean, you're looking for my prote- my perspective or just anybody on the call? Your, your perspective, like have you been engaged with customers? It's okay to say I don't work with customers. I'm 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 just busy doing sessions. But uh, oh no, yeah, I talk with yeah, yeah. I talk with customers pretty regularly, and you know, usually, I mean, realistically, usually the the customers that I end up talking to are are more of the larger customers. Um, but I, I've also talked with plenty of uh, smaller and medium-sized customers, and you know, all across the board, there's interest in in disaster recovery um, and and having a, a solution that that makes that process easier. You know, take, especially taking it away from the the traditional disaster recovery solution of you know the manual process that customers would have to go through of you know manually maintaining a run book and and manually getting things back up and running after uh, some kind of a situation so um yeah definitely yeah, the the level of interest from customers still seems really high it's uh, across the board you know small customers to big customers you know everybody has that need for disaster recovery and i i haven't seen an update of it recently but i i still do find that Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 50% of customers don't have a DR plan, um, right. or sense. you know, or their DR plan is basically just you know, recover from tape. Tape, right. hope, yeah, exactly. Hope and pray. Right. Yes, right. it, yeah. it it kind of reminds me that virtualization and the technology, you know, the basic technology that we're all working on as a platform has really unlocked these capabilities you know, realistic backup and recovery, and now realistic disaster recovery, you know, for medium-sized businesses and small businesses, whereas before disaster recovery was really an enterprise-only thing, and and maybe even only the largest of the Fortune 500s could, like, afford to maintain a whole separate, you know, geographically diverse data center with, you know, duplicate equipment and, uh, you know, actually run DR exercises. Now all that is, is really democratized. And and also with VMware yeah. Cloud and AWS, like the investment in hardware, it, it now can be rented, right? So um, yep. it really feels like we're unlocking the yeah. ability for small and smaller businesses yeah, to take advantage. That's of why thing. I asked that question originally was it was that with AWS and cloud in, in, engaged in this, and whether it be AWS or other cloud service providers, the fact that we tie that together now and you can have a cloud service to to manage your 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 site recovery manager, you know, operations. That to me enables a lot more customers because I'm not going to sit and design another data center in a remote place, and you know, and that's how that's an expense that if I'm a mid a commercial account, I, I just might not do. I might I might just revert to tape and go look. That's all I can do here because I can't afford air conditioning, cold another staff right, for, right. for a remote data center. So 
with cloud introduced, I think that just enables a lot more customers. But maybe that's just yeah, me. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the oh, go ahead. No, yeah, no, we want we can talk to each other all the time. We want to hear from you. Well, we, we might have tilled that subject. I'll go on, and that's where where I went when I talked about the market. That's that's where I see this trend, you know, moving forward, which is the market is enabling cloud services. There's all kind of cloud services. Um, I'm putting some in cloud, some in that. When when we do site recovery manager, can I do uh, site recovery manager from AWS, right? Or AWS services I've got running in AWS, or is it mostly just creating DR for my 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 own data centers? Uh, so Eric, is the question you're asking is does it have to reside on vSphere in order for it to be covered by SRM? Yeah, or, or would it, would there would it would it make sense to have a DR policy with um, where I have some nodes running in the cloud, right, uh, at AWS, uh, w- running on vSphere, right, ah, okay. uh, with 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 my VMs moving moving back and forth? Uh, would I want to have that set up? Where do I have to worry about you know my cloud environment and my architecture for cloud VMs that need to also be backed up? at different sites, or does AWS handle that kind of infrastructure? Yeah, so GS, I think our question is, can you use VMware Cloud on AWS as a source? You know, if my production for some workloads is running there, can I use that as a source and have my target be, I don't know, maybe another location of VMware Cloud on AWS or an on-prem data center? Yeah, Uh, so the answer to that is yes. Um, the, The cool thing about VMware Cloud on AWS is that from from a, a customer standpoint, from someone who, someone who's using it from their standpoint, it it's basically just like another SVBC. You know, you you log into a vCenter, uh, you deploy VMs, you you know move them around, you uh, delete them, whatever it is that you're going to do. You know, just within that within VMC and AWS, the the integration from a customer standpoint is exactly the same, and what we did for uh, VMware Site Recovery, which is the name of the DR as a service solution for VMware Cloud and AWS, is it's all just based on uh, Site Recovery Manager and vSphere application. So, you know, protecting VMs to your VMware Cloud on AWS and failing them over is exactly the same process as failing them back. Um, you know, it's. The two environments are both going to be just your standard vCenter, vSphere environment. Um, you know, the the only difference than the VMware Cloud and AWS environment is just that VMware is taking care of managing uh, the hardware, the patch, uh, patching upgrades. You know, we're taking care of all of that stuff for you, and letting you do the you know day-to-day operations. You know, deploying VMs, protecting VMs, recovering VMs, all of that. Um, but there's no. The the cool part of it is is that there's nothing different about uh, how you would deal with it. You know, going if you're using Site Recovery Manager to just go on-prem to on-prem. You know, going from on-prem to VMware Cloud would be exactly the same as going from VMware Cloud back to on-prem, or you know, VMware Cloud to VMware Cloud. All of that is works and is just supported and. It just That's works. really cool. Yep. You, yeah. you might just cleared up a question that I real didn't. Is when do you buy 
SRM standard, and, and when is it that you buy uh, VMware Site Recovery? It, it sounded almost like you're saying you let, you buy SRM when your source is on-prem, and you buy VMware Site Recovery as a service when your source is VMware Cloud on AWS. Am I am I misunderstanding that, or is that uh, close uh, to the truth? That, that's very close. Um, really, where, the way that it would work is you would use a, a SRM license if you're going on-prem to on-prem. If you're doing anything involving VMware Cloud and AWS, you would you would license that through uh, through VMware Cloud and AWS. And the the standard SRM licensing model is just a per protected VM, uh, where you buy uh, twenty you know a twenty five pack of SRM licenses, um, and then for within VMware Cloud on AWS, the licensing model is is that when when you start replicating a VM to or from uh, your VMware Cloud on AWS environment, uh, you would start paying. I don't know what the price is, but the you, you'd start paying uh, per VM, you know, basically per pre- per protected VM for as long as those VMs are protected. Uh, Got it, like a couple dollars a month or something. Yeah, some, some number, right. Yeah, makes yeah, a few dollars, yeah. Some amount of dollars per month, and it's billed hourly. So, Or it might even be by the minute. I, yeah, I don't know. Right, right. Um, that makes sense. Uh, I think I think we get that. So if we come back down to, you know, what, what was new in 8.1 and some of the cool features that you talked about, whether it be the stretch cluster, stretch tor- storage, and remote office, branch office, and more. I look at some of the stuff you did in the HCI 28-27, the session that, you know, talks about uh, the what, how, and why. Um, maybe we should uh, spend some time, uh, t- you can talk about what, what are some of your favorite features that are new, what are some of your favorite features that you, you rely on when you're architecting solutions with customers. Uh, why don't you take us through some of the, the, the feature set? Yeah, sure. So the... Uh, you know, I already talked about the HTML5 interface, you know, everything built on Clarity. Um, that part's really cool. Uh, in addition to just um, getting everything moved over to the HTML5 interface, we also created a few enhancements when it comes to workflows. Um, one, of the, one of those that is really nice is we, we've done a lot to merge the functionality or merge the, the UIs for SRM and vSphere application and kind of treat both of them as, as two parts of a, a same product instead of as two completely separate products. And so one of the things that we did is we created a workflow now so that when you uh, go to replicate a VM, after you go through all of the steps for replicating it, then we then ask you if you want to add it to an existing protection group within SRM or create a new protection group within SRM. And then you can do the same thing for your recovery plan. And so that allows you to take it, you know, take a VM from unprotected to replicated and protected by SRM all in that same workflow. Um, In addition to the UI, we also, uh, I already talked about decoupling SRM from uh, vCenter, that is, to me, that again, that is still the coolest feature in this new release just because it, it really changes things drastically from a customer standpoint 
of no longer having to upgrade vCenter at both sites when you wanted to upgrade SRM. Uh, so just kind of separating those two out and keeping them uh, keeping them separate. Um, yeah, that's huge uh, operationally. When somebody's planning an upgrade yeah, exactly. and they only want to upgrade one site and they'll, they'll do the other site oh, in six months, but if you're using SRM, then it used to force you to do both sites and, and accept more exactly. risk in your plan. Cool. Exactly. Um, uh, we also uh, enhance things from an upgrade standpoint. So you know, usually with most software, you can upgrade from the previous version to the latest version. With uh, 8.1, we support upgrades from either SRM uh, 6.1 or 6.5 to 8.1. Um, so really making it easy to to get to that latest version and you know decouple yourself from specific versions of vCenter. Uh, in addition to that, we did had a couple of uh, smaller things, but still you know nice to haves. We uh, now support uh, protecting VMs that are using uh, fault tolerance with SRM okay. and. Yeah, and that was that was something that we used to have for Uniprocessor FT, you know, the original version of FT. But when we created that new version of FT where we support multiple vCPUs, uh, it took a little bit of that. That added storage uh, resiliency as well, and that just SRM from a storage standpoint, SRM it it just creates a little bit of complexity. So, but we we worked that part out. Um, we continued enhancing the API for SRM, so we now have a few additional commands that we support for with the, interacting with SRM through the API. Um, that's in addition to in, in previous releases, we've we've done a lot uh, to add that capability. Um, so there's there's lots of things that we can support with the um, through the API now. Um, yeah, and those are those are really kind of the highlights of uh, of eight dot one. Nice, nice. Yeah, um, I noticed that you have um, the the sessions. Maybe we could just talk a little bit about what you get from the different sessions. So, um, I look at Site Recover Manager eight dot one. Uh, you know, HCI three zero eight five. First question: Are you going to be doing these sessions at VMworld Europe before we go through? Uh, all of them? I yeah, there's a, a few of them. Not all of them are going to be in Europe. So the the okay. uh, architecting SRM session is going to be in Europe. Uh, I'm just looking up here to see what the yeah, yeah. I don't remember offhand yeah. what that number okay. was. But uh, let's see. Let's so yeah, HPI we'll okay. yeah one zero nine five. So architecting SRM to meet your recovery goals. That one is going to be in Europe as well. Um, SRM eight dot one. What's new? Uh, is going to be in Europe, um, and then the other two, uh, the SRM and multiple sites, and uh, SRM integrations across VMware, uh, those two were U.S. only. But as far as I know, you know, all of them were recorded. So if anybody, you know, regardless of if you're attending uh, VMworld Europe or not, you should be able to watch all of those. Um, yes, yes, they're all open. 
published up on VMworld and open to the general public. Yep, so, available now. Yep, and available now. So that has been a policy change for VMworld this year where we just put everything up and passed. We've held them back for a couple months until Europe happens, and then a month after Europe, we finally put them up. So, But this time, for general public, we put them up for uh, people that had the reg, uh, but this year we just uh, put them up. Right. Yeah. So they're they're all up there, and you can stream them. So any of these guys, you can you can do. So so which is your favorite uh, session so far? Uh, or is that asking which is... child is your favorite child? I don't know. <laughs> like they put up so yeah, um, I enjoyed doing all of them, and uh, my favorite was definitely the architecting SRM to meet your recovery goals. Um, that, that's that's one that I, I've done every year for the last I don't know three or four years, and it's just a really fun session because I, I instead of instead of talking about uh, you know really specific stuff, you know what's the latest and the newest release or um, you know some particular feature, it's more kind of a general. How do you how do you look at all of the choices that you can make with SRM and make the the best choice for your business and how do those different choices factor into things like uh, recovery time and recovery point objective and uh, you know just larger people, bigger bigger scale things. So. Yeah. Do people separate out you know a model or your models for this between you know big databases versus web apps versus other employee type stuff, or do they basically just take data center operations and 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 then how do you, how do they how what are you recommending when it comes to trade offs across applications versus you know styles of machines response times that's one question and another question i'd follow up with like what are the average times for this stuff like how effective is this stuff just from a high level uh, i'm curious to know like is it possible to design things that systems flip over in a minute or less and what does that look like right. so a couple of questions there um yeah i mean as far as you know what things we see customers protecting you know really it's it's anything where they need to have disaster recovery is is usually what you see protected by SRM. So, you know, if if a customer has a you know thousand VMs in their data center, you know, of which they feel you know 400 of them are critical, you know, usually they'll the, those are the ones that they'll protect with SRM. A lot of times, I see customers protect their entire data center because you know even even things like tier three and tier four. Um, you know, they they just don't want to deal with uh, what recovering those from backup would be. You know, they they want some level of automation and orchestration there to to recover those. Um, and then the your second question was, sorry, achievable yeah, achievable times. What is it? What is oh, the achievable times? Yeah, model look like. Um, so that that's a good question, and it's it's kind of a an interesting an interesting point. The the challenge with recovering VMs using SRM is you know there, there's a, a number of different steps that it has to go through to get get your VMs back up and running. But but one of the longest steps in that is really just powering on those VMs, um, and then SRM also supports uh, it supports powering them on in a particular order. You know because you want to make sure that your applications start up the way that you expect. And 
you know, one of the things that I actually talk about in that architecting session is how you can how you plan out those restart orders can will impact your recovery time. You know, because if I can start up 10 VMs all at the same time, they're going to obviously start up faster than if I have to start them up uh, serially. You know, I start up one, right. and I start the next, and I do the next. So, you know, I see you know, also, like, you have the complexity of the workload that you're starting up. It's starting up like a like a web server might be, oh, that's a three-minute process. But if you're starting up a, a Linux server that has an Oracle database engine on it, well, it might be three minutes, but you might actually be doing five to ten minutes of sanity checking on the database before you actually promote it to be like a live database, for example. So yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's, it really is just going to depend. Yeah, it, it really is just going to depend. And, I mean, I've done an example. Um, I, I recorded a video, I think last year, showing recovering 1,000 VMs in, in about 25 minutes. Um, and the... The point of the video wasn't to say, "Hey, look, SRM can recover a thousand VMs in 25 minutes, you know, and it, it will do the same for you." It was more just to show that that really, with when you look at a recovery, you know, SRM is not going to be the thing that that takes the most time in your recovery plan. Um, you know, in that situation, I had I had those thousand VMs broken up into five groups. And so I was starting up 200 of them at a time. Um, they were really small VMs, so they started up really quickly. Um, but still, you know, you're starting up, you know, going through that process of starting up a thousand VMs. And I was doing that on a on a four-host cluster, so you know, not not a situation that you would normally see in a in a production environment. Um, but again, just you know, it it just shows that SRM is capable of powering on, you know, uh, of powering up your VMs as fast as you know your environment can get those powered on and as fast as the VMs will actually power on um, you know the the larger question is more just you know how long does it take to do some of your storage processes how long does it take to you know actually power on those VMs how long does it take to you know do whatever verification steps that you're looking for so that makes sense. Uh, so grouping of tiered tiered VMs, tiered workloads that need to come up in sequential order, you can do by group, and I assume you can make in group. You can probably set you know order of items per group. I'm just guessing here, but that makes sense. Um, when you're talking about uh, data synchronization across you know your your main site versus your 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 DR site, um, how What's the fidelity there? Do I set that fidelity? How often does data be is is it mirrored across a, a network? What do I have to? Do? So that's one question. What's the fidelity of data synchronization? What does the product let you do versus what does what do most customers end up doing when they're architecting this? Yeah. Um, so one of the things with SRM is that it's and I usually ha I often have this conversation with customers, especially the first time is is that SRM is actually it's not a replication engine. It's really just a, a DR orchestration and automation engine. So, what you know, how fast you're replicating your data, uh, you know, really what RPO you're getting, what recovery point objective, you know, just a measure of how much data you're okay losing, um, is 
you know, the RPO is going to just depend on what technology you're using and then right. okay. really what your requirements are. So, uh, you know, using vSphere replication, which works, you know, that, that'll work with SRM. Right. That supports RPOs as low as five minutes uh, and as high as 24 hours, and you can set right. that per VM. Uh, with array-based replication, you can do synchronous replication. So, you know, your RPO is going to be zero. Um, and then, you know, taking that as high as it, as it makes sense, uh, you know, for for the individual environment. And again, that's, you know, that's one of those things uh, that I talk about in that architecting SRM session is, you know, there's no right answer there. You know, it's not that everybody needs synchronous replication and, you know, anything else isn't going to work. It's, you know, what makes sense for your business? What uh, sure. you know, what are your requirements? What right. are your constraints? And how do those fit together? Okay, right. So SRM doesn't get into the replication. It sits on top of frameworks that do the replication. And you set up that replication policy, whatever your replication policy is. And then Site Recovery Manager just manages the bringing up of that new site, right? And and that makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so on uh, Site Recovery Manager, uh, what kicks off the uh, what kicks off the, the the process? Right. Yeah. Is it automatic, or does somebody have to hit a big red button? Uh, it's the recommendation would be the big red button. I mean, just you know, going into going into SRM and and initiating the recovery plan. Um, it can be automated. Uh, there there is a way to do that, and there's a blog post that's out there um, that. About how to do that, I would not. It's not something that I would recommend, though. And the blog post doesn't recommend it either. And the the reason for that is that a an SRM failover is a disruptive event. Because when when SRM executes a failover, it's going to uh, it's good. The first thing that it's going to do is it's going to shut off the VMs at your protected site so that it can then power them on at your recovery site. So if if you had a false positive, you know, you're you have some kind of yeah. detection mechanism that lets you trigger your DR event and you didn't actually need to trigger that DR event and you just shut down all of the VMs at your production site, you know, that that sounds like a resume generating event right there. So, yeah, definitely. Not definitely. what I not what I would recommend. The thing that you could do that I would recommend is you know, again, the the API supports a lot of capabilities. Is SRM supports non-disruptive uh, testing of your recovery plan, so you can run a test of your recovery plan without interrupting uh, your production workloads. You know, doing anything that's going to impact the, your running VMs. So, what I would recommend is is schedule uh, and automate running those tests and verifications of your DR plan. Um, you know, that's that I would recommend. Don't don't automate you know an actual DR plan, but automate the testing of it. Verify that that works the way that you expect, and um, you know reduce your risk that way. Uh, so when I walk in at uh, 8:30 in the morning, I get a report that says, "Hey, we got 98% of the way through the DR plan in our automated test, and here's the things that we need to pay exactly. attention to." And then you you take yeah. those things. 8:30 the next morning goes, "Yep, it's it's working." And then the next five tests all work correctly. So now I have faith that that I actually have a DR plan. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's one thing that actually that, that does kind of surprise me is that I, I I frequently run into customers that don't utilize non-disruptive testing capability of SRM. Um, 
you know, it, it, it has that non-disruptive capability. So, you know, I always tell customers, you know, use it. It's, you know, test it every week, test it every, you know, test it, test it every day, um, you know, depending on what the requirements are, just because, you know, it's going to give you that much more confidence uh, that when you actually need it to run, that it's going to do exactly what you expect. You guys still there? Oh, you're sounding really far away. Hear us now? There you go. That, I can hear yep, us. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Leave I it can there. hear you. That's, that's good. We, that we, brought we us our headphones back. <laughs> we, we heard you the whole way through. I yeah, we, we, we heard you just when we went to cut. So we have a few more minutes left, five more minutes. And uh, I had one more uh, novice question that I would th- thought I'd ask, which is the sure. network the network move switch over, right? So we talked about VMs. We talked about getting storage across. That's uh, uh, when, when it's time to hit the big, big red button, what actually happens to the, 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 the network resolution? Because, you know, having new machines come up with, uh, with, with, with all, all IP addresses, what, what kind of work goes into making that, that happen? Yeah. So SRM can handle that a couple of different ways. So uh, if, the most frequent thing that we see is that when a customer fails over from one site to another, that they're going to need to change IP addresses, um, that the VM is going to come up on a different network, and so it's going to need you know, a different IP address. And so SRM supports uh, customizing the IP addresses for VMs as part of that failover process. Um, one of the things that we introduced a, a few versions ago, but I still think it's a really cool feature, is when you set up SRM, one of the things that you need to do is map resources. So you need to you need to yeah. tell since SRM is moving VMs from between vCenters, you need to tell it, okay, you have a VM that's connected to this network and is in this folder on this resource pool on in this vCenter. So when you fail it over to this other vCenter, connect it to you know this network, put it in this folder, and and put it in this resource pool. So one of the things that we added was for that network mapping, we give you the ability to create a subnet map. So you just you let SRM know what the, the subnet is at site A and that the subnet is at site B. And that way, whenever a VM is associated with that mapping, it'll automatically change the IP address. So it'll keep the network portion of the address. It'll change the network portion of the address, so the you know, 192.168.100, and it'll keep the the host portion of the address, that last bit, you know, whatever it is, dot fifty, it'll keep that the same uh, across that. So um, that's usually what you see, or that's probably the most frequent thing that I see customers doing uh, from a networking standpoint. That said, SRM would also support uh, not customizing the IP address. So if you have a stretched layer two uh, between your sites, or if you're doing something where you're failing over a subnet. So you have a subnet uh, that exists at uh, site A, and you're just going to move that that subnet all, you know, change the routing and just move the whole thing over to site B. Um, it supports that as well. I, I feel like I saw a session too. Uh, maybe it was John Whitman um, from the NSBU who 
had like a different strategy about having NSX stretch that layer to, or or maybe that follows. Yeah, N- NSX is. Yeah, and yeah, John is yeah, John's a fantastic resource for stuff about NSX and uh, NSX in particular, and and as well uh, NSX and how it works with uh, a site recovery manager and from a DR standpoint, and. Uh, yeah, you can definitely use NSX as as one of those mechanisms for stretching that layer two. You know, NSX is probably the best offering um, in that space to give you you know to, to give you that capability of stretching the layer two between the two sites. And and SRM will work if that's what you're using. SRM works really well with NSX in that regard. Yeah, I, I know we're starting to run out of time, but I. I the way that you just described it, it was very interesting. I, I I was imagining it as like one, you know, facility one and under a company to facility two, you know, owned by the same company. And again, that would kind of require that you have spare capacity at both sites. Um, but my understanding, and, and maybe I'm just making this up in my head and you can check me on this, is that if I was to use the site recovery service in VMware Cloud on AWS, that really the only thing that I would need to buy would be enough resources for the storage to cover the storage and that there was a facility to kind of burst the compute um, in the case of a disaster, uh, if I called a disaster, or in the case that I was running a disaster test, like it could add enough compute nodes to, to you know, do the test and then when I was done with the test, kind of remove them. Am I making that yeah. up in my head? Yeah. That, that advantage? Yeah, that, that is, uh, th- that's accurate. Uh, that's something that, um, and I appreciate you pointing that out because to me that's one of the coolest things about the VMware Cloud on AWS offering is that ability to burst, you know, increase capacity dynamically. You know, add additional hosts in about 15 minutes is how long it takes to add an additional host, which is, you know, there, there's no other, there's no data center in the world that can, you know, where you can rack and configure. Uh, you know, and, and set up a new host in 15 minutes. So uh, just to be clear, though, that with the VMware Cloud on AWS offering, um, you're going to have, uh, that there isn't a storage-only offering at this point. You know, you're going to have, you know, when you configure your VMware Cloud on AWS uh, SDDC, uh, you know, you're, I, I believe we just started offering a three-host uh, but you could have a four host. So you're going to have a base configuration there, but then adding to that is something that could could totally happen dynamically uh, in the event of a failover um, or a test, so that you could right. you know grow that cap grow that capacity, grow that storage as you needed to, um, you know just depending on what those requirements are. So you you just buy the minimal resources that you would need to actually store your disaster recovery storage targets, and then uh, yeah, pay and for the on demand on demand when you needed it when you had to failover yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we we also uh, announced. Uh, I think it's still in in preview, but we also are going to be supporting an um, Amazon EBS backed uh, storage that gives you more flexibility in terms of you know if you wanted to increase the storage capacity of your environment without increasing the number of hosts, uh, it will, we give you a way of doing that as well. Ah, yeah, that's the new R5 model with uh, EBS. Yeah, exactly. 
Very nice. Very nice. Well, I, I know that we've been uh, having conversations with uh, the, the cloud team in general, and one of the things that they see a big opportunity going forward uh, on AWS is uh, DRS, right? And, uh, and, and recovery, you yeah. know, and enabling this for everyone. So you hit that 50% market that's already done it, but it's expensive to do. Uh, now with AWS resources, you come in uh, and it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not that big a commitment to be able to build this out and, you know, Hurricane comes hitting North Carolina, and your data sends North Carolina. You'd be glad you kind of had it. Absolutely, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, neat stuff. Yeah. Neat stuff. Yeah. Well, we're at the top of the hour, and with respect to everybody's schedule, um, we'll wrap up. So, GS, you're on Twitter. I, I have your your Twitter ID is G U R U S I M A R A N, right? How yep. do you say yeah, that? Yeah, Guru Simran. That's my that that's the that's what GS is short for. So. All right, there you go. I'm not even going to try to say it because people give me a hard time yeah, as it is yeah. for, for pronouncing yeah, no worries. To worries. Pronounce yeah. English, English, English words, let alone any other language words. But uh, it's great to have you on the show, and it's uh, it's it's amazing to look at your sessions. I would encourage everybody, even if you're not at VMworld, to uh, go take a look at his sessions, watch them. They're great. Uh, it's it's good content, and it's that if you haven't uh, implemented uh, Site Recovery Manager yet, you probably should because it's not that expensive, and and you'll be happy to have that, and you'll look way smarter running your data center that way than if you don't have it. Right. Yeah, if you go back and even in time and, and watch the last three or four architecting in our CRM solution, it's fascinating to see maybe the inside of an advanced architect's brain and how that works. So I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot Thank for doing you. all the work, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Europe. You can come by the uh, Blogger Tables community booth and say hello, as you always generally do. So it's awesome. Great to yep. see you. Will do. Okay, thanks. All right. Thank you. Thank you. With that, do we have a barbecue report before we go? I don't know if I've done any barbecue since I'm back from VMworld. Right? Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, no barbecue. Like uh, nothing, not even barbecued lettuce. Although I have been getting into more salads lately because I've, I've looked at myself going, okay, we're hitting the winter season. It's going to be Christmas, <laughs> holiday. <laughs> Let's thin up a little bit. So, I just um, my salad weight. if you've ever grilled lettuce, you know you get a good uh, romaine, char. yeah, and you char it on the grill. Uh, you know, I don't know if that qualifies itself as barbecue, but if it does, there you go. I think we all should just do just a little barbecue lettuce for the next couple of weeks, at least till VMworld Europe when we're forced back into poor eating habits and poor sleeping habits. So <laughs> that's what I got to offer. Um, thanks again for coming. Sorry we ran a little bit late. Uh, we'll be back again next week and. In until then, uh, everybody have a great week and have some barbecue.